Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So this month in January, my podcast episodes are all about getting that fresh start in 2021. I'm focusing on, you know, putting your best foot forward. And this episode is one that I've been thinking about doing for a while. And my guest today is Carrie Whalen. And she is somebody who I'm very fortunate to be working with. So she just sort of appeared in front of me. And this topic I've been noodling around for a while thinking about how to present it in the best uh, way for everybody. And it's perfect for this month because one of the how to put your best foot forward, how to get your best start in 2021 topics um, that, you know, just fits perfectly in, in this whole, you know, fresh start kind of kind of venue is what happens when you need to move from state to state? Yeah, even from city to city, town to town, but really from state to state with your disabled family member. That is something that really impacts our families in a big, big way. It's a huge area of concern, a huge area of stress for all of us. And if you have ever done this, if you've ever planned a move with a disabled kiddo, with a disabled adult kiddo, with a disabled family member, if you have moved away from a sibling, if you have taken over care of a sibling when parents have gotten ill and you've been in another state, there's so much to consider. And there's a lot of disparity in in the programs from state to state in how we care for our disability population in the in the programs and I've been thinking about so many different tenets of this topic and I know I'm only going to scratch the surface today but as I look at the new um, Biden rescue plan and all of the programs that are coming out from the federal government, some of them that impact people with disabilities, granted not that many, but some. And as I think about how we really are a country that has mostly been governed by states' rights, which as a lawyer is is uniquely interesting to me. It's very scholarly interesting. It's very intellectually interesting. But as a family member, it's completely frustrating. As a, an advocate, as an attorney, it's completely frustrating. Let me give you an example of what that looks like and how frustrating that can be. And, and I talk about this a little bit in the podcast, but let me dig a little deeper. Let's say that you are, you know, in your 
40s and you're married and you have a family and you you have moved away from your home state and you're living your best life and raising your family you're in your career and you know everything's going great you get home you visit you've got a sibling with a disability and your parents are um, raising that sibling the sibling is uh, receiving some state supports and they're here in um, you know that they're in let's say they're in I don't know Colorado and you know you're here in Massachusetts you you went to school here in Massachusetts and you settled here because you got a job here and your parents are in Colorado, your siblings in Colorado, and they've been receiving benefits in Colorado. So they're receiving uh, Medicaid waiver, residential supports, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now your parents are getting older. One parent has passed away. Uh, another parent it has you know, fallen fallen ill and they're unable to care for your sibling, look in on them any longer. And they are, you know, wanting to, you want to move them here. You want to move your parent and your sibling here. And, you know, it's pretty easy actually to move your parent here, believe it or not, because their Medicaid is very easy to move from state to state and to get them to um, a nursing home here with a little bit of advanced work and figuring out maybe assisted living, maybe a nursing home, maybe they're gonna come and live with you at home. The programs can vary a little bit, but you know, it's, you know, with a little bit of advanced work, you can get that done. But your sibling, on the other hand, they're gonna go to the back of the line. You're not going to be able to take the program that they're receiving dollars for in their group home, for example, and replicate that here in Massachusetts because that is being paid for with state, partly state dollars and partly federal dollars. And every state has their own budget that is paid for um, and allocated through the state legislature. And the dollars are already given away to individuals. So you can ask to move your person into the state, but every state has their own way of allocating who gets that money and how they get that money. And in Massachusetts, we have a system of prioritization. And there is no guarantee that your person is going to be prioritized for services. And in fact, you can't even apply for services until they have actually physically moved here. So how could you give up services in Colorado, move your sibling here without a home to move them to. They need 24-hour supports. You can't move them to a group home here with no payor. And 
So they have no waiver. They can't move here to a group home here and be boots on, boots on the ground here is what we like to say without that waiver in order to apply for the waiver here and the, and the state supports here. It's a catch-22. So you can never move your sibling here unless you are independently wealthy and can pay and then apply and get prioritized, in which case you would likely, you know, kind of go to the back of the line. Although we don't call them wait lists, we call it prioritization. It effectively works the same as a wait list in many, many ways. So every state works a little different in the way that they allocate their funding. And it's just very, very frustrating in the fact that, that there's no uniformity and there is no guarantee, no civil rights for somebody with a disability. You or I have the right to pack up and move from one state to the next. But because somebody relies on public dollars to support them, they actually cannot choose what state they want to live in. They are stuck in the state that they started receiving services in when they became an adult at age 22 or 21 or 18 or whatever state that is until the day that they die. Does that seem right? Does that seem fair? That is, we have to do something about that. that that's just kind of, that's, that's insane. We really have to do something about that. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, but anyway, my, uh, my episode today is talking about moving adults and young people with disabilities from one state to another and how to put your best foot forward if you are moving from state to state. And so um, this really centers around three main areas of getting yourself organized. And Carrie Whalen, I am so excited to have her join our team. She joined at the beginning of the year. She was a huge find. I'm so glad she moved here from Maryland. And she has been an enormous addition to our team. And we are very excited to have her at Special Needs Family Services. So um, she has moved several times in her family's life, and she has been a great, great person to talk to about this topic. So I'm very excited to introduce Carrie Whalen to all of you. And here we go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible. And today I am super lucky to have with me Carrie Whalen, who I am even luckier to have working with me at Special Needs Family Services. I have introduced to you my new company, Special Needs Family Services, in an earlier podcast this year. And if you recall, if you've been listening in, this is the company that I have been dreaming about for a very long time. And I tried to get launched uh, in a bigger way last year, but, you know, pandemic. And um, so this year in January, I hired Carrie to come in and work with me as a partner to really get us going in a bigger way. And Carrie came on the podcast today because 
It's a subject that we have been meaning to do for a while now, and that is what do you do when you move your family from one state to the next? One of the things that we have difficulty with here in the US is uniformity of laws and uniformity of benefits, and it impacts both children and adults a little differently, but it is, you know, one of the both um, beautiful things about American law, states' rights, but also one of the more challenging things about American law. And as a lawyer and a, a student, um, we can marvel at what happens when states have independence in being able to determine their own fate. However, as a family, we are so challenged when we move from one state to the next and we get such disparate treatment. So Carrie and I concocted this podcast today to talk about the experiences of her family as an example, because she has moved from several different locations and she just recently moved here from um, Maryland to Massachusetts. And so welcome, Carrie. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you so much for coming to work with us. We are so blessed to have you. Thank you. I am so excited um, to be here, to be working, um, working with you and the amazing team that's already here. And even more excited at the opportunity to be a part of this podcast today. So I, I, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So can you just tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Um, I have two kids, um, a 17-year-old son named Kian and a 14-year-old daughter named Tierney, um, a, my husband's Brian. And then we've got two rescue dogs, which my kids would be very sad if I left them out of the <laughs> conversation. So we'll say we have two rescue dogs. Uh, my son, Kian, um, is on the autism spectrum. He is um, high functioning, although, you know, we can all throw around lots of different terms, but he is, he is, he is on the higher functioning um, um, level of the spectrum. He was diagnosed um, actually a little bit late when he was closer to five. We had oh. a lot of um, misdiagnoses and some, you know, challenges kind of getting him um, diagnosed properly and the support and services that he needed when he was younger. Um, and then finally, a, a diagnosis that we feel like kind of fit him best um, when okay. he was five. And what state were you living in when that diagnosis happened? Finally? California. Okay. So you were living in California. Mm -hmm. And what was the system like there? Um, the so the so I guess just to give a quick 15 second background. So Keen was actually born in Maryland, um, and received early intervention and, um, and I, and early intervention and then transitioned to an IEP when he turned three. Um, and which is what they do in, in Maryland. He did a year of kindergarten um, on his IEP in the Maryland school system, and then we moved to California. So we moved the IEP um, with us to California. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, the system that is out there, or at least I'll speak just to the one that we were involved in. I don't want to make, you know, sort of a blanket statement about the whole state, but, right. the, but the school system that we were in, um, 
was not doing a very good job of honoring or implementing the supports and services that he needed. Um, and he was struggling a lot. Um, he was getting bullied a lot. He was not learning, um, doing a lot of acting out. Um, we had, he was a very um, sweet or is still, but at the, you know, very sweet, kind, calm um, kid. And all of a sudden we started to see a lot of aggressive behavior, a lot of physical acting out, a lot of verbal acting out. Um, and, you know, that was kind of a result of him not getting the support and the services that he needed. Wow. So we call that stay put rights. You know, when you have an, a documented IEP, which is a contract, and you move from one state to the next or one school district to the next until such time as you negotiate the next IEP contract, it is supposed to be honored. The services are supposed to be honored mm -hmm. in the next school district. Um, so that wasn't happening for you when you moved that first time. No. And to be honest with you, I was, you know, um, still trying to understand and work my way through understanding this system. So um, I, you know, we certainly did our best to advocate for him, but we probably, you know, now seven, you know, 10 years later, we know so much more and can advocate so much more effectively. Um, also mm -hmm. part, part of our issue in the transfer too, was that um, the Maryland um, services that he was receiving were um, not for autism because he didn't have that diagnosis when we left Maryland. Um, so okay. he was other health impaired um, on his IEP and was only getting speech and occupational therapy. And um, so some of the behavior sports and the, the social supports that um, he really needed, he mm. wasn't getting, which wasn't entirely on the school team, except that um, they did not do the um, amount of testing that they should have done to sort of get to their appropriate diagnosis. Okay. So, um, so we ended up having to um, bring in some outside um, private service providers um, to kind of really get at the heart of what some of the issues were. How many years did you live in California? Four. Okay. And then what was your next move after that? Um, back to Maryland. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so how old was Kian when you moved back to Maryland? He was eight, eight or nine. All right. And then um, how long did you spend there? Um, we were in Maryland for um, seven years. Uh, once, once we moved back. So, um, we were there for a significant amount of time. And when we moved back, we moved back, um, a more, um, comprehensive IEP that included a proper diagnosis. Um, unfortunately, while we were out in California, um, we had to pull him out of the public placement placement and unilaterally place him, um, in a, in a private non-public placement and then, um, you know, sort of go to trial with the school system to kind of get them to pay for that and honor, honor that placement. So we did a lot of that legwork, hard work out in California, um, and then brought that with us to Maryland. Um, despite what was kind of advised, I, which was to put him in a Maryland public school, 
and have them, um, you know, sort of do their own uh, testing and things like that. I wouldn't do that because I had just watched a kid um, really fail in the public system for a couple of years and then watched him thrive um, in a more appropriate Mm -hmm. private placement. Um, And so we did we did not follow the the advice and we just put him into immediately into a non-public private placement. Um, We paid out of pocket for a little bit of time while we worked with the Maryland, um, our Maryland homeschool and the, um, you know, office of special education to have them honor um, the IEP and and pay for the placement. Um, And we were able to do that. Okay. So when you moved from California back to Maryland, you were able to negotiate a new IEP basically on your way in. We were, we were. And that was um, a result of, you know, a few years of kind of learning, um, making a lot of mistakes um, along the way, but um, we worked hard to get a team in place in Maryland um, before we came back. So that my California um, attorney and advocate and psychologist could have lots of really good conversation with the incoming team in Maryland so that everybody was on the same page with where Kian was and what his needs were um, and could effectively and proactively negotiate for the, for the right, for the right placement. Okay. Okay, now fast forward to a year ago, you moved to Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So you're making another move Mm -hmm. again to yet another state and you've learned so much at this point. And so now in moving to Massachusetts, what are you doing about placement this time around? Yeah, so... um... The difference with Ma- with our Massachusetts placement is that Kean's actually in a residential program, um, which was a placement that was made while he was in Maryland, mm-hmm. um, and we don't did not um, do not want that placement disrupted. So uh, we worked with the I as soon as I knew the move was impending was you know kind of coming up for us. I let our Maryland attorney know and our Maryland advocate attorney know right away. Um, And we came up with a plan for how to pull together the IEP so that it was as comprehensive and clear as possible in terms of, um, you know, the right boxes were checked in terms of the residential placement, the right supports were in place, um, all the goals and objectives were updated. Um, We worked hard to get a lot of his kind of present levels and his updated testing all done um, in Maryland so that when we made the move to Massachusetts, we were taking a fully you know, a really full comprehensive document that included as much information as possible. Um, You know, I I guess I kind of also learned along the process, uh, along this process that the more transparent you can be, I think the better off you are too, in terms of getting the right services. And so we really tried to be as open and honest about what Kean's needs were as we could be and got all that together in one big document. And then again, um, worked hard to put a, to get a Massachusetts team in place, um, an attorney, an advocate, um, you know, psychologist um, and medical, you know, medical person so that the Baltimore team and the Massachusetts team could again work together. Um, And we really, um, 
I moved into Massachusetts and, you know, we, we hired a, a great attorney. Um, and as soon as the move happened and we had sort of the proper move documents, she was able to reach out to the um, attorney at our home district and Massachusetts is, you know, honoring the stay put. Um, and so they are, you know, it continues on in the placement and it continues to be a funded placement. Okay. So that was a different experience for you than yeah, different first. in that we needed more, we needed to pull together more information for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so let's, you know, kind of pull back and, and pick that apart a little bit and let's, you know, talk through some of the, all, some of the things that you learned along the way. And let's talk to our audience about some of the advice that we have to give about these moves. And also I want to just break down a little bit for the audience, the difference between moving a child with disabilities versus moving an adult with disabilities, because I have some advice for our audience. It's very different. Um, So moving a child like Kian is, um, you know, there are definitely things that I heard you say, so I want to break this down, you know, so I heard you say that um, you were, you focused on some, some medical and healthcare issues. So you, you looked at um, doctors. And so I imagine that um, you wanted to research ahead of time, you know, transferring into the right doctors and specialists. Correct. Each move that you made. And as, as you made that next move and that next move, you must've gotten a lot better at this, right? You do. Yeah, (laughs) you do. You kind of, you learn some of the right questions to ask and, you know, and I think that's the key really is not being afraid to ask a lot of questions um, and putting information out there um, and using the professionals in the place that you're currently in and the place that you're about to go and use them to help you come up with resources and referrals too, right? So like attorneys and advocates, right? They work with psychologists and medical people all the time and have great working relationships with, with some. And so, you know, kind of, if they've already got great working relationships, that helps, right? Because then you're almost like your team is already together and used to working together and that helps too. Mm -hmm. So how did you find an attorney advocate in the new location? Um, so I, um, we have some family in this area, um, and in, um, we're in Westford, um, and we have family in the area and family that's involved in the, um, school system. So I was able to luckily use some of their resources, um, and some people that they had Mm -hmm. had some experiences with. And, um, you know, I just, we did some consults. Um, we picked, I think it was three or four attorneys, um, Mm -hmm. out of the list that we had. And we just, um, we felt like it was, yeah, we did. And, you know, some were, um, paid consults and I'll be honest, I think it's the best money you can spend. Um, you need to find somebody that is going to get the job done for you and that you feel comfortable working with. Um, and that's, it's really important to take the time to figure that out. Um, so we did, we just, we just did some consults and, um, and, and found one that we felt like was a good fit for us. Um, 
and and then from there she that attorney was able to um, connect me with an advocate that she works very closely with okay. so um, that she was able to put me in touch with that person so we were able to use those together so in addition to um, finding your attorney and advocate you also need to make sure that you are organized and have all of your school records together. So I heard you say that you, before you left Maryland, you worked with your current team to make sure that you had the very best IEP in place, that you had all your ducks in a row. So you had the best records, the best, you know, the best um, IEP uh, Mm-hmm. you know, all laid out for, for Kian and yep. took that with you. Um, so you, you had some lead time and you worked on that when you knew Correct. that was coming. Yep. So you, you got all of your records together. Did you yep. send those up ahead of time? Yep. So that Massachusetts could look at them. Yep. How did you pick the right city or town to move to? Oh, Were you thoughtful what- about that? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, we had actually started out um, thinking in a different, a totally different direction. Um, and uh, after talking to a couple, we in terms of a like we had picked a couple small little towns that we thought would be good fits for us. So, how did you pick the right town or city to move to? Because I hear that people are very selective sometimes when they can be about what town. Yeah, so um, we luckily, um, we got some really great advice from the attorney. I feel like that was kind of, um, that was a lesson that I learned from the move from California to Maryland is that really the most, at least for us, the most important person was really the attorney and getting that right person in place. Um, And she was able to help guide us in terms of which um, sort of district to move might we, you know, which district we'd have potentially more luck um, and less, um, less lawyer time, less hearing um, those, you know, less time trying to figure it all out. Um, And her, her advice was great. Um, You know, we had a added, um, well, the ad are, we have a 14 year old daughter too. And so we also needed to make sure that we were moving someplace where they had a good public high school. So it was, you know, a combination of the two things. Um, And, you know, she directed us to uh, a district that um, so far has been great. Okay, good. So get, get all of your records together, send them up ahead of time, making sure that you have a good attorney contact ahead of time. That's yep. all great information. Mm-hmm. And um, finding the right doctors, hospitals, specialists, did your any of your doctors in Maryland help with those yep. transfers as well? Yeah, yeah, we were able to get our um, psychiatrist in Maryland to help mm. us come up with... Um, somebody here. Um, uh, and you know, that, that worked out great. Um, and then we had done a bunch of updated, I guess, updated evaluations would be the other thing that I would sort of recommend to the best of a person's ability is, um, you know, if there's needing to do sort of updated neuropsychs or updated, uh, educate, you know, education type things through the school system or the IEP, um, the more you can kind of do that before you move, I think is helpful because then you're bringing kind of the most updated information 
Um, and you're also not going into a new district requesting a lot of things that cost extra money and time. Um, instead, instead you're bringing like the, the, the full picture to them so that they understand what, what it is that they're looking at and what they, what they need to do. That is such a good point. Um, also audience, just a little tidbit of information for our military families. Um, they, they actually have a special education checklist just for military families that are being deployed. So that can be really helpful. Um, for those of you who um, have kiddos who receive Medicaid in your state, Medicaid waivers are not all the same from state to state because Medicaid is a federal and state partnership program. And it, it does really vary, especially for kids from state to state. Um, so it's important to understand what the programs are like in the new state that you are moving to and what the eligibility criteria are going to be because the program that you are leaving may not be the same as the program that you are going to and you may no longer qualify or you may qualify for a lot more than what you are leaving. I belong to a couple of listservs, you know, or a couple of um, um, Facebook groups, for example, where parents get together and chat. And, you know, it's amazing to me what, how varied the benefits are for families from one yeah. state to the next. And it's great that people share that information, but in some states, parents, caregivers of children get paid to care give. And in other states, people get nothing and everything in between. So it's quite important to do that homework ahead of time so that you know what you're walking into. Not that it's gonna necessarily change your decision to move, just to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So the Medicaid benefit itself may transfer, but the benefit may look very different from state to state. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to talk about as you prepared your move from state to state? Um, I mean, I, th I think we co covered a lot of the, um, you know, kind of the basic, the basic tips. Um, you know, I guess I would add that, um, take a deep breath, <laughs> right? I mean, it feels like a lot, but um, if you can just take it one thing at a time and um, you know, just sort of take your time pulling together as much as you can, um, it's going to make the transition easier when you get there, as hard as it feels when you're kind of walking through it among the other things, right? Like moving companies and changing car insurance and you know, all the other stuff, but yeah. it, really, it really does, um, make it easier when you get there to sort of feel like you're walking into a system that you kind of already understand. Definitely. Now, Carrie and I um, work with a lot of adults mm -hmm. or a lot of families with adult children here in our practice. So we, we don't want to leave this uh, episode without talking to you about the differences between moving an adult from one state to the next. So as hard as it is to move a family with, uh, with children with disabilities, it is, I don't know, 10 times harder, maybe a hundred times harder to move adults. Mm -hmm. The federal benefits programs like social security and Medicaid 
are pretty straightforward because they're the kind of programs that are basically what we call boots on the ground. They just require you to have an address in that state. And typically you can just go online or make a phone call and by giving them your new address and proof of, of residence, you can transfer those benefits to your new, um, to your new address. But other state benefits are much, much harder to transfer. And in fact, many, many times you go to the bottom of the list or the bottom of the line. So a lot of our adults live on waivers, what we call Medicaid waivers. Um, here in Massachusetts, it's MassHealth through our Department of Developmental Services that serves many of our folks. And um, if you're on a residential waiver in one state and you move, you will not necessarily be able to take that waiver with you to another state. It, the money doesn't automatically transfer because it's state budgeted dollars. Right. It's half state, half, half federal, and it doesn't leave the state. You come into Massachusetts from Idaho, for example, and Massachusetts is not necessarily going to immediately grant you the same money that Idaho was paying to support you. First of all, you have to find a group home or you know, a placement, and you have to wait in line for prioritization. So we find that there is a lot of issues with folks who you know, have been provided supports in the state that they live in with their families, with their parents. And then at some point, parents get older, they are unable to care for their children anymore, they die away, die off, and then siblings are left but siblings move all over the country and they are no longer close by and they may wanna move their brother or sister to be near them. So this issue of moving becomes quite important and we are not able to move sister or brother to Massachusetts because we can't prioritize them in our current system to get a support package. Rightfully so, our state legislature worries that, and our state agency worries that there won't be enough budget to support all the people who will want to move here. And, you know, we don't know how to solve this problem other than making it, you know, a federal issue and universal pot of money somehow. So I, I wanted to just, you know, kind of talk quickly about that and make folks aware who are not necessarily in the thick of it right now, that you almost get stuck at age 22, wherever you land, that's the state you have to basically die in unless you have independent funding for the rest of your life. This is why families save in order to provide that extra support, that supplemental support, because at some point the government may not be there or it may not be optimally what you want to depend on. So 
Um, in addition, transferring guardianship from one state to the next while doable, and we now have a uniform guardianship transfer statute, is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And from one state to the next, um, you know, depending on the state and whether they have that statute um, in their state can be, you know, easier or, or harder. So you do need to seek out support from a qualified guardianship attorney for that, for that assistance. All of the other things that we talk about still apply. We still need to gather our records. We still need to make sure that we seek out the doctors and the hospitals and the specialists. And we still need to make sure that um, we have, you know, gotten our, our legal supports in place. So just to sum up the wonderful advice that Carrie has given you, I want to just put that into our, you know, three great little tips. So just to, you know, kind of go back over this and, and cover this. So Carrie, what we have, what we were talking about, what you have given as advice, number one, um. I guess I would say um, most updated paperwork and evaluations um, and anything else as possible and get as many paper copies of everything as you can and or have documents emailed directly to you so that you have them and you're not counting on doctors to send them to doctors and lawyers to send them to lawyers. Um, you know, that you really have everything um, at your fingertips for the next placement. Great, so all your paper copies have your nice little, you know, set of records, mm -hmm. have everything electronic if you can. So that's the first tip. Yep. Um, assemble as much of your new team as possible, uh, yep. whatever, that, whatever that means for you. Um, yes. If it's an attorney and an advocate, great. If it's, um, you know, medical support people, um, psychi psychologists, psychiatrists, um, school teams, just get as much of that in place for yourself before you move as you can. Get your advanced team together. Perfect. Yep. yep. And then I okay. guess I would say the last, um, the last tip is to gather as much information and resources as possible. Um, you know, spend time researching things on the internet, understanding the different systems that you're moving to. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and, you know, as much as the, you know, if you're in any kind of Facebook groups or other parenting groups for parents with kids with special needs, utilize those groups, ask questions. You'd be so surprised how many people have resources and, um, you know, different family members and things in other states um, that, you know, can, can help um, you kind of figure some things out. So do your homework. Do your homework. That's it. Yep. You know, but that's kind of our motto. We live by those things anyway. So the things that have always served you well are going to serve you well in a move from state to state. Yep. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being thank here you. on this um, episode of Parenting Impossible. And thank you so much for joining the team. It's thank awesome you. to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really fun to talk with you. Thank you. Right, bye, bye, everybody. Everybody. Good luck on your next move. <laughs> thank you. Hopefully not another one. Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but good luck to our audience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Bye, right. everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. 
I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.